Welcome to Checking In, a weekly podcast from Hotel Owner, the UK's trusted source of hotel industry news and analysis. Each week we meet a new guest and learn their story, all the highs and lows, triumphs and disasters they've faced and how they got through to the other side. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you listen to. To get more industry insight, head to hotelowner.co.uk and subscribe for unlimited access. If you're interested in sponsoring episodes of the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at hotelowner.co.uk. My name's Heather, host of Checking In, and this week we're talking to Joe Fox, who is head concierge at Hyatt Regency London, The Churchill. Joe talks about his varied concierge roles over the years, including his time as chief concierge on a cruise ship, the benefits of being a member of Les Clés d'Or, and most unusual requests he's fulfilled for guests. Welcome, Joe. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, so I believe you have over 25 years of experience in the industry. Could you, uh, first of all, just tell us how your career in hospitality began and a bit about those early roles that you first had? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's uh, more years than I care to, to think <laughs> about now at this point. But I kind of, um, I should have never really been in hospitality because I started off as a, an apprentice engineer in, in like a factory. And uh, I remember always having a kind of um, thing about being a chef and a girl that I was seeing at the time, she, um, her uncle, sorry, he used to work at the Shelburne Hotel in Dublin, which is quite a prestigious hotel in the, in the centre on Stephen's Green. And I remember him telling me um, that they were looking for casual kitchen porters at the time. And believe it or not, as a casual kitchen porter, they were offering twice the amount of money for half the hours that I was getting as an apprentice engineer. And this was back in 1995. So, uh, so I said yes. Um, and I started working two nights a week as a, a casual kitchen porter. Um, I just I loved the the, the, the job then itself. Um, obviously, it's quite a quite a dirty job. You're washing dishes and washing pots after. Mm-hmm. But you're in the kitchen environment then, with all these chefs and other porters and all the waiters and waitresses coming in and out of the of the kitchen. Um, so I'd, I'd not been used to that because I'd, I'd been used to working with just um, a factory full of men uh, operating big machines. So it really opened up my eyes um, to uh, to different, uh, you know, a whole whole other world and, and career. So I was a casual kitchen porter for about maybe seven months and I was building kind of a, a good name for myself as well because, you know, being a, a casual, you're you're basically on zero hours. So you have to, you're, you're waiting for a phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to say yes every time I was called. Um, so that was w- working out very well in my advantage. So... Then a position came up in um, in meeting and events or banqueting, as you call it, um, which was setting up uh, the function rooms, like so carrying tables and and things like that. So then I was doing both casual kitchen porter and casual banqueting porter. Um, so my hours were obviously getting a lot more. Um, then I became a full time banqueting porter. Um, so that was um, that's what I always I'd always wanted. I always wanted the permanent position. So obviously, you know, it's security. So it's what anybody yeah. wants. Um, and so I, I did that for, a, for quite a while. Um, Still in it for about uh, would have been about two years. Became um, the supervisor in banqueting. So then I started doing uh, the rotas for a team of uh, four of us. Uh, then a position came up in uh, in room service. So I, I kind of went and, and did that then for a, for a couple of years. I just uh, remember, as a banqueting porter, you 
we're dealing with with guests, but not so much uh, because we would be going in, doing the rooms before the guests kind of got there, and then and then you're out. So and I remember going into room service for the you know for the first time, and then you're really uh, dealing with guests directly, not only on the phone, but then when you're bringing the food to the room. Um, and I remember just being so alien to me uh, at the beginning, uh, speaking with a really broad Dublin accent um, to all these tourists, um, and using the word sir, ma'am, madam. Um, it just it really felt strange um, coming out. But, you know, you get used to it. Um, and it just started opening up um, my horizons as well, meeting people from all around the world. Um, even the like the staff, you're, you're meeting staff from, you know, other parts of the country, but also all around the world, all around the world. Um, you kind of like, you hear them all about these travels and, and stuff like that. So I kind of, I started thinking about all these things that I would like to do. Um, uh, and then obviously wanting to advance my, my career further in the in the industry. So a position then came up on the, uh, at the with the concierge. And it was always like back in, in that time, in, in the 90s, and well, in that hotel anyway, you kind of had to, there was a kind of an unsaid rule that you had to follow a certain criteria to get to a particular job. And at the time, it was like you had to do night concierge to become, eventually become a day concierge. So I did follow that uh, path. So I went on to uh, to nights and I, I, did, I didn't like it at all. I was doing it for about uh, two years because it, at this point, I would have been about 24. So the last thing a 24-year-old yeah. wants to do is like to see all the colleagues going out um, at the weekend and stuff like that. And you're literally just beginning your shift. Uh, but I, you know, I, I persevered. I, I stuck it out. Um, I did it for about two years, uh, and then the opportunity eventually came up to to move on to days. Um, and I just that was I, I knew then that I'd found my passion, and yeah, just I absolutely loved it. Um, you know, because you're literally doing everything for the guest. Then at this point, um, you, you get to the, you, you want to know. You have to get all the information um, about the city, what's going on in your city. You need to get um, access to, uh, to, to to sold out um, events and and whatnot. Um, so I did. I was doing that for again quite a number of years. Um, again, uh, the position then came up for assistant head concierge. And like I said earlier, there was always a pathway that you were supposed to historically follow. And again, I was, um, you know, being, I, I don't know, like uh, obedient uh, and, and following that path. And I, and I never applied for the, for the role. And at this point, um, Marriott had recently taken over the management of the Shelburne Hotel. And they really had a very different um, outlook on, on the way they um, manage things and the way they, they saw things. And I remember the, um, the front office manager who would have been my boss's boss, she came over to me and, and she said, um, how come you've not applied for the, uh, for the role? And I, I very naively said to her, because these other two um, concierge had, had applied for it and they've been here 
you know, 30 plus years. So they're going to get it. So and she's, why would you think that? And, and, and I thought, well, because that's the way it's always been. So, you know, you get trained into being in that kind of mindset. That, that's the way it's been. So she's like, no, you should, should apply for it. So I, I did, and I, I'd, I kind of conferred with the, the rest of the team. Um, how would you feel if, if I did get the job? And the only thing that they said to me, which I thought was very valid, as long as you don't change, Joe, you know, if you stay the type of person that you are. So um, I did apply, and uh, I did manage to, to, to get the, the, the job. And it kind of opened up my mind then as well that, well, hang on, this, you know, you don't always have to follow these pathways uh, that you, because you think um, you should. Um, so basically I was in the Shelbourne then for a total of 10 years um, and it closed down because they had a major renovation. So all the staff were, were made redundant. And I think if that hadn't have happened, I probably to this day probably would have been still working there because you kind of get comfortable um, in doing, you know, working with the same people in the same property. You get into a routine. And it's probably for me at my age, I was then 27. It was probably the best thing that could have happened. So that was when brought me into my uh, first role as a head concierge. Um, and that was for the opening of the... Um, the then called uh, Jury's Croke Park Hotel. Um, I think it's now called the Doyle Croke Park Hotel. <clears throat> but um, that was uh, an exciting role. Um, it was obviously not only my first role as a head concierge, but was my first time ever opening a hotel. Mm. And I brought a whole other um, list of challenges um, that I, wouldn't, I wasn't necessarily prepared for um, because I'd never done it before. But um, it basically... Um, yeah, it's trying to keep your team motivated because you've hired this team to do a particular job, but the hotel is not opened yet. So you're basically for the first few weeks or even a month or two, depending on the schedule of the opening, um, you're basically walking around wiping walls and you know cleaning floors and getting rid of uh, rubbish and, and things like that. And that's not what they signed up for. So you'd have people leaving and then you know constantly trying to, to turn over staff, and then you eventually open and it was it was a great time that I had there um, I, I spent two years uh, working there um, literally right across the road from Croke Park so when there was an event on in there they, um, the, the, the hotel was yeah, to, to say the least busy um, yeah, spent uh, then after that um, I went um, to a boutique hotel um, I swore I'd never do another opening after Jury's Crow Park <laughs> and I went straight into another opening um, of a boutique hotel um, in a, a different area of Dublin um, and that was probably it was a 44 bedroom hotel versus the 220 of the Crow Park Hotel and it was probably more stressful opening that one um, than it was the uh, the bigger hotel just because it was um, it was a boutique luxury hotel mm. so there was a lot of attention to detail in this um, and uh, yeah we eventually opened um, enjoyed my time there um, not as much so as, as I had at my previous place so it didn't that was probably the shortest stint that I've had at a hotel um, it was about um, six months and then um, 
I, an opportunity came up then to uh, for a completely different role um, at the, the Clarion Hotel, which was in the business centre in Dublin, and that was for um, a guest relations manager. Um, and that really kind of appealed to me because it was doing concierge work, but then also um, handling, um, like, what well, I mean, the name, the, the, the title explains itself, like guest mm-hmm. relations. You're you're literally opening up yourself to to everything um, that's that's guest related. Uh, so I was doing. I, I used to handle all the complaints there. Um, there was, um, yeah, the, as I said, concierge work, um, and I had an absolutely fantastic time there. Um, it was yeah. I was I spent two and a half years there, really enjoyed my time, and then I don't know. It would have been around two thousand and eight. Uh, I don't know if you remember when the recession hit, mm-hmm. um, and it hit Ireland particularly bad at the time. So uh, and the hospitality industry in particular really bad. So there was a lot of um, redundancies um, made. Um, there was one cut which um, I, I managed to, uh, to to stay on and that one uh, but then unfortunately they had to do a second round of cuts and um, I, I was made redundant um, on that one but because of the experience I had and now this was my third hotel sorry fourth hotel I beg your pardon um, it kind of gave me that confidence of like there's always something out there so I knew that I would I would get a job and that was concierge on uh, on celebrity cruises so I shipped out to um, to Athens. Um, did the role on on cruise ships. Um, I had to do seven months uh, for my um, for my first contract, and that's basically on ships you don't get a day off. So you you, you work literally every single day that you're there. Um, and my shift was like a split shift. So you do a seven a.m. to eleven a.m. and then I'd be back on then from five p.m. till nine a.m. I remember thinking at the time. How am I going to do this? Um, you know, working every day for seven months without a single day off. But your body just becomes accustomed to it. You know, it's it's. But it was one of those things that I absolutely look back on, and and it was such a great time in my life. Um, I didn't really want to come back and do a second contract, but I was kind of stubborn, and I said, I can't just give in after doing one. So I went and I did a second contract um, that was seven months also. So at the end of that, that would have left me, um, it would have been about October 2010. So I'd applied for mainly jobs in Dublin. And then I saw a position for head concierge at the Hyatt Regency London, the Churchill. So I was like, I'll never get it, but just let me, I'll just apply for you. You never know. And then in the meantime, I was offered uh, a role, a completely different role at the Fitzwilliam Hotel in Dublin, which was also on, on Stevens Green. Um, and that was uh, as um, a quality manager. Uh, it was like kind of like another name for a, a duty manager. And it would have been something that I'd never done before. But again, I was like, you know what, let me let me try it. Why not? Um, so I did that. Um, the general manager, I remember, uh, didn't want to take me at the time because he felt that all my experience was based on a concierge background and not so so much uh, duty management Mm -hmm. but I sold myself on the fact that I did two years at the Clarion um, as a guest relations manager which was technically like a duty manager because I was dealing with complaints and and whatnot Um, so 
two days later, I got offered the, the, the role um, at the Fitzwilliam. So I was like, okay, great. But I hadn't heard anything from the, the, the Churchill. And I had a feeling that they they did like me, but, you know, you, you, you never know. So again, I delayed my answer to um, to the, the, the hotel in, in Dublin. And lo and behold, I got offered the uh, the position in uh, in London. So, which I'd never uh, worked in before. I'd, and at that point, I'd only been to London once for two days. Um, so it was, a, you know, a big move. Um, and so I had a decision to make. And um, I remember thinking at the time, um, like, what, what, what should I do? And I actually talked to the, the HR manager in the Fitzwilliam Hotel and I said, listen, I've been offered this role um, in, um, in, in London. And I, I said, I really don't know what to do. And I, I kind of had it in my mind what I was thinking. And then I remember the, um, the HR manager, she came out with literally what I was thinking. And she said, well, Joe, she said, I shouldn't be saying this to you because we, we want you here and we've offered you a position. But if it was me and I was you, she said, Dublin is your, is your home. You can always come back here and, and get a job. But she says, if you take the job here with us, she says, you'll always think what would have been like if I, if I had taken a chance and, and gone to, to, to London. So, um, so yeah, so I, I took the, the job, um, obviously. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was, um, I started at the, um, the High Churchill then on the, um, the 10th of January, 2011 and, um, still, still here. Yeah. 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 And now for, for our readers who, uh, listeners, I should say, um, who don't know necessarily the ins and outs of the concierge role, mm-hmm. can you just tell us a bit about the duties that come with that? And I'm yeah. imagining it's incredibly hands-on um, and varied. But yeah. yeah, if you could tell it, us more. Absolutely. I, for me, it's, um, like I said, it's it, it, it's an absolute passion. Um, and I, I think I'm the type of person that I like, I, I get a buzz out of, um, you know, doing nice things for, for people and, and seeing the, um, you know, the, the, the enjoyment on the face or the smile on the face because... I've had a helping hand in, in making their stay that extra special. They um, So I, I think the best way to describe a, a concierge is almost, you're like a PA, but you're like a PA to all the guests um, in the hotel rather than just to one, one person. So there are guests that come to, to stay at any hotel with a concierge and they're using that service. They're putting their trust in you to make their stay memorable um, mm. whether that's you know making a recommendation to a, a restaurant that's for a special occasion or a concert um, that they wanted to see or a football match or any kind of event like that they're putting their trust in you that you're going to do what they want and that you're going to get them exactly the ticket that they want exactly the restaurant that they want um, and yeah it's just you get so much enjoyment out of out of making that happen um, and seeing the yeah seeing the delight in their face and especially when they come back to you the next day and, and um, tell you how much they enjoyed it mm. um, I just I'm doing concierge now um, out of my 28 years in the business I think I'm doing concierge probably about 23 years of of, of that so 
you know that that says a lot that yeah. you know even to this day i still get a get a buzz out of like if the guests will you know fill a, a survey after they've left and they give me a, a specific mention you know it's 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 a fantastic feeling yeah yeah um and i think you mentioned before uh, as concierge uh, you need to have very in-depth knowledge um yeah sort of everything going around how how does one prepare for that um especially if you're moving to a new city like london yeah absolutely so i um i've always been the type of person that um when i was coming to london i knew that that was going to be um the uh, one of the challenges that i that i was going to have um but what i would always say and, and it's how i even hire people for my team is that you can you can learn geography you can learn what's going on in a city you can learn uh, what's happening in a city uh, you know things like that but you can't you can't teach somebody to have a good attitude and a good personality which is so compulsory for the role as a concierge um so i knew i had that in abundance um and then i knew that i could learn about london um the only thing that i was hoping for was that when I came into the team, even though I was going to be the manager, um, you know, your team can still give you a hard life. <laughs> um, so you're relying heavily on them um, to to give you the, the chance um, to, um, to show them that, you know, you want to be there, you're passionate about it. Um, and, and I was lucky that um, when I when I came, uh, there was the assistant head concierge that was there at the time. Uh, give him a, a mention as uh, Hamdi, who's now since uh, retired. And he was uh, fantastic. Um, he really was um, a great, a great guy. Um, still to this day, he's one of my uh, best friends. Um, he was the best man at my wedding. So, um, yeah, they, so they, they did. They gave me that opportunity and... I think yeah, I, I took I took it um, in my stride, and and um, yeah, I absolutely love uh, being at the, the High Churchill now and uh, my role as uh, head concierge. Yeah. But um, to answer your question about um, how do you keep up with things, like there's like there's a, a magazine called Where London, mm-hmm. which comes out. Um, it used to be every month. I think it's I think it's every quarter now, um, since the um, since the pandemic, but. That has everything in it for a concierge um, that's going to be happening within the next few months. So that's almost like an encyclopedia for a concierge. Mm. But also, if um, you're lucky enough, which I am, um, I'm a member of um, a society called Le Clé d'Or, um, which translates into the, the Golden Keys. Um, so it's a huge international um, network of concierge uh, globally. Um, and in London, there's like several hundred, um, or in the UK, should I say, there's several hundred uh, members, and it's absolutely fantastic. So, you know, you can't you can't have contacts at every restaurant. You can't have contacts everywhere. But I can assure you, with all the members of the Leclay Door, and we have a, a WhatsApp group as well, you will definitely find somebody that does have uh, a connection in mm. one of these places. So we kind of um, the um, the motto for the Le Clay d'Or is in service through friendship and it really does work that way. You know, you can, I think if I look at my, um, at the, the WhatsApp group, there's like 
hundreds of messages a day of, of guys reaching out, um, looking for assistance, asking people, do they have a contact here? Do you have a contact there? Can they get access to this event? Can they get access to that event? And I've, I've yet to see where they, so, someone wasn't um, able to, to, to help them. So mm-hmm. that is a, it's a, it's a, it's a great thing for a, for a concierge and it just, um, it helps us make that uh, stay extra special for our guests as well, being able to, uh, to have that um, at hand. Yeah, it um, sounds like a fantastic black book of sorts. <laughs> um, how how does one become a, a member of Le Clédor? Is it so, a simple process? Or? It, it isn't actually, no. Um, so in, it, it varies through different uh, countries. So for instance, I became a member when I was in Dublin and you had to be the, um, a member, uh, sorry, a concierge for three years. And over there you had to... Um, you had to be nominated by a current member and then you have to be seconded by another member. Uh, and then you have to put a, an application. Then you meet the, uh, the committee. Um, in here, in, in the UK, it's, um, it's a lot more, um, I wouldn't say difficult, but there's a lot more steps to go through. So again, over here, it's five years. Uh, you have to be working at desk concierge for five years. Then you can, again, be nominated, um, be seconded. Um, then you have to go through an interview process um, with, um, it could be three to four um, committee members. And then they will like, they will grill you. Um, and that will be, they'll ask you about your hotel. Um, it's very important to, uh, to the society that, um, you, you know, you're very proud of the hotel that you're in and you know everything about it. Uh, so they will ask you about that. Yeah, um, as I said, uh, about the hotel, but then also other things like, um, you know, restaurant, what's your favorite restaurant? Um, what do you know about that restaurant? They'll ask you about the uh, connections you might have um, and, and so on. So it's, yeah, it, it's very good. And I, for me, I had to, I nominated um, two members of my team. Um, to go and I have to accompany them to the to the interview process, um, which is you know it's, it's a, a great thing and a kind of a, a proud moment as mm-hmm. well to see um, a couple of your team members um, getting their their keys. Uh, so that that was um, that was fantastic. Yeah. And speaking of uh, your team and team members, mm. uh, in your current role, how how big is the team you oversee and what what sort of roles? So currently I have, um, I've got two assistant head concierge, um, four concierge. I've got six luggage porters on days, two luggage porters on nights, and then three door hosts. I think it's about 18, 19. I've got a a couple of casual uh, luggage porters as well. Mm. And um, I imagine a lot of those sorts of roles are quite uh, demanding and tiring. How how do you uh, keep your team motivated and on track? Well, I used to, again, one of the, one of the things that to my detriment I used to do, I used to be delegation was um, one of the words that I was most afraid of, um, you know, because of, it's not that you don't trust them, but you just, in, in your head, you're thinking, you know, at least if I do it myself, I know it'll definitely get done. But then you're just constantly, you're, you know, you're getting stressed because you're just taking too much on. And then also at the same time, you know, your team, well, you don't think that you're showing a lack of trust. Your team might not see it that way. So what I've done now, I remember, for instance, up until um, recently, I took on the, the, one of the duties that I do is, is to like approve everybody's holidays. So if you're, I used to, 
yeah, I'd have all, all the team members, if they wanted holidays, they'd have to come and, and ask me. And you can imagine if you've got 16, 17, 18 people that are taking holidays throughout the year, each one of them are entitled to almost 30 days holidays. That's a lot of requests. Yeah. <laughs> so it was getting to the point where I feel, felt like I was the, the departmental PA rather than the departmental head. So I knew then I'm like, I really have to do something about this. So what I've done now is that I've empowered my assistant heads. They look after the luggage porters and the door hosts um, requests. And then they see how kind of it's it's almost like it's it's continuous. Like it's, all, you know, people because people want time off work, of course. Mm-hmm. So they're constantly thinking about their next holiday. So um, so it's kind of a good experience for the assistants because um, down to me, they didn't really get the uh, the pressure that I was under by having the whole department constantly coming and asking for my holiday for holidays, should I say. So the two assistants, they now look after that. Um, and then you kind of have the, you're getting the concierge uh, ready for, to take the next step up. So you're trying to, you know, push them into, like, if there's a complaint, you're trying to empower them. Well, you know, how would, how would you deal with that? You know, I can come out if you want and, and deal with it, but what, what would you do? And then usually they have the answer themselves. And so you, you'd send them back out and see, see how it goes. Just, just try and you, you try and deal with that. And if it, you know, needs to escalate, it needs to escalate. And then I'll come out and um, we'll deal with that then. And so as it, as it happens now, uh, one of my assistants is, is about to move on. Um, one of our other properties, um, the uh, Great Scotland Yard, it's an unbound collection by Hyatt. Um, they, they never had a concierge department and they've recently uh, created that. So one of um, I put one of my assistants forward to, to take the, um, the role there as a head concierge. So he's uh, got that role. And you, I think you, you, have, to, you have to want it. Um, like I, I wanted it um, mm. in, in growing up in my career. Um, you know, it's okay to, to, to want to stay where you are in, in a role. Um, and that's absolutely fine. And a lot of my team want to stay in that role. But it's about, I think, you know, making sure that they feel an important part of the team, um, you know, just sitting down and, and having a chat with them, um, telling them, you know, I, I very much have a, an open door policy. I know it's, it's an old cliche, but I really do. And, you know, I'd rather my team, and I always tell them this, you know, if you have a problem, please you know, don't bottle it in, just come mm-hmm. and, and talk to me about it because we might be able to, to sit down and, and you know, f- fix it between us. But if you don't tell me, there's not a lot I can do, you know, because I don't know. And um, so I have that policy. And, and I think after 13 years at the, the High Church, well, I, I think the team that I have now is absolutely fantastic. And I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky, especially in this current environment um, uh, post-COVID where the hospitality industry is still suffering a little bit. Um, Mm. There's so many roles out there. There's so many opportunities in so many different hotels. So it's about how do I make people want to choose the the higher Churchill over all these other properties. Mm. Um, And and that's, you know, that's that's one of the the, the challenges that I have in in my role as a head concierge, but I absolutely, I I love it. And uh, I think most of them are there now 
with the exception of one of the assistants who's been there a year and is now moving on already as a, as a head concierge, having just spent a year with us. Um, they've all been there two, three plus years. So it's, uh, no, so I think it's a good sign that um, the longevity that I've had my team together. Yeah. And it, it sounds like you're incredibly supportive with the team members. Do you, do you think that's uh, why there's that sort of, uh, that, that staying power? I, I think so. Um, it's always been an important, um, you know, ethos of, of mine that um, I like to treat people how I, I feel like I'd like to be treated. Mm. Um, and I, I've always been like, I, I, I they, they use the word uh, softy, but, you know, I kind of, I am like, I really, I, I genuinely care about um, how people are feeling. I'm not just guests. Like I, I care about how my, how my team um, are feeling, you know, you can't, you can't make everybody wake up in the morning and say, yes, I can't wait to go to work. Mm. It's just not possible, you know, but at least I want them to, to not dread coming into work. Um, and that's the try and, that's the kind of environment that I try and uh, set in the team. And hopefully, hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you get artists a lot, uh, but it would be remiss of me to leave <laughs> it out. I know a lot of, uh, the concierge role is about, um, you know, helping meet guests' requests. Yeah. Are there any sort of standout requests that you could tell us about? Anything sort of wacky or, or interesting that sticks out to you? Um, yeah, I probably, I would say a couple come to, to mind. Um, there was one of the, you know, the more outrageous ones was um, a guest um, came to, to us and um, they were going to see the, the Manchester United game. And they wanted us to arrange a helicopter to take them to uh, to Manchester. Okay. Now, first you're thinking, okay, that's it's a bit extravagant, but you know, people people take helicopters. But then the next part of that request was that he wanted the helicopter to land on the pitch <laughs> at Old Trafford, um, so he could get to his, his seat, you know, easier, you know, um, wow. you know, go in with all the crowd. So you know, it's the one thing about. It, the role as a concierge or, or in a hotel in, in, in general is that you don't want to say the word no. The word no is, um, it's, it's, like, it's one of those, because it's, it's, it's just ultimate, you know, it's, mm. it's final. Um, no means no, and there's, there's nothing else. So what you try and do is, oh, oh let's, let's have a, a look into that. And, you know, so we, again, just try and explain to them then that, okay, so, what we can do is um, we can't land on the pitch, unfortunately, <laughs> um, because, you know, nobody's allowed on the pitch before a game, apart from the players and, and the officials. Yeah. Um, but we can definitely, you know, arrange a helicopter with you to take you to, uh, to Manchester and we can even pick up a car there at the, um, at the airport or helipad to take you into the, into the stadium. So eventually he did settle for that. And uh, so he went away happy and we didn't have to say the word no. <laughs> um, and then another one, um, which is quite um, quite more personal to me anyway, was I remember there was this uh, Australian couple um, that were, we were due to pick them up at the airport. And I remember the the chauffeur company called and they were like, Joe, these guys, have, they've not shown up. We've been here two hours. They're playing since the plane landed. And we usually give, uh, you know, an hour's uh, complimentary waiting time after wheels down um, to get through immigration. It's kind of, it, that's been uh, pushed to the limit at the moment with immigration uh, with the Lions. But anyway, um, 
So it was over two hours. We hadn't heard anything from the guests. So uh, he said all the um, all the bags had been cleared from the uh, the conveyor belt. Um, what do you want us to do? So I made the decision. I was like, it doesn't. It sounds like there are no show. Let's you know just just go. So I think it was about twenty minutes later. Um, a phone call comes in and. They, the team was like, Joe, this um, immigration officer at, um, at London Heathrow is asking to speak to the, the manager of the concierge. So like, what? <laughs> so I, I got on the phone and um, he said, um, uh, do you know um, such and such? Do they have a reservation at your, at your hotel? So I was like, yeah, they do. And he was like, um, oh, do you know why they're, they're here? And I was like, well, no, I assume for a, a vacation. And what they'd, they'd, as I said, they were from Australia and they'd made the mistake of telling immigration that they were there to get married. So that set alarm, ball, alarm bells off with immigration thinking that they were going to get married and wanted to stay there or, mm. or something like that. So, like, no, so eventually they, they let them through, basically. And we sent the car back to, to get them and, and to bring them in. Um, so I greeted them. I built up a really good uh, rapport with them. Really, really lovely couple. And as it transpired, they were here to, um, it was a bucket list that the, the gentleman actually had terminal cancer. And um, so they were here to do a few things. He wanted to get a tattoo in a certain place with, you know, of his, um, of his girlfriend. Um, so they asked me to arrange that. And then one of the other things they asked me to arrange was they wanted to get married, as, as previously mentioned. You know, being from Ireland, I didn't know what the procedure was in, in the UK of uh, getting married. Um, I've since found out now because I've got married here myself. But at the time, so I, I, I called up Westminster Council um, and um, then I found out that you had to um, declare it for a month before you got married. You had to leave it in the, you know, um, I think on display in, in, the, in, in the local council. Um, so they were only here for two weeks. So that was basically a non-starter. And being the, you know, the situation it was, I really, really wanted to, to make this happen. Mm. So I just, uh, the, the next thing that I thought was that around the corner from us, there's, um, there's a Catholic church from the, from the hotel. So I, I just asked the question. I said, you know, I, I said, I don't know if you're religious in, in any way, but I said, what have I just called the, the church? I said, it wouldn't be anything official, but maybe the priest there would be willing to do like a blessing or, or something like that. So they thought that that would be wonderful. Um, I said, do you mind if I ask the priest? Because otherwise, you know, he might think, why, why am I doing this? So like, no, if you think it's going to help, then please do. Mm. So I called, um, the priest answered. I told him the story. I said, I know it's not going to be official, but would you mind doing a blessing? And he, he set it up the, the very next day. Uh, and it was, you know, fantastic, you know, it made, you know, I, I mean, I really made their, um, their day, I think I made their stay. Um, and yeah, and that's like, that's just one of the, the, the kind of many things that we, we, we like to go out of our, our way to do. Mm. Yeah, yeah so. that's, that's a lovely story. And Thank I you. guess, um, yeah, as you say, it's, it's about making the best memories. For yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It doesn't even stop. I, I guess there was a, another time. I think of um, we had some overseas colleagues that that work with with Hyatt. Um, they were from um, Japan, and they had stayed with us one night. But before that, they had actually stayed at Andaz Liverpool Street, which is also part of Hyatt. Um, 
they'd stayed there for most of their stay. And literally just as they were leaving to go to the airport from us, they'd um, realised that they'd, um, the guy had left his, his belt, which was obviously was very uh, attached to. Um, <laughs> and so he, he didn't really, he didn't have time to go to the ambulance to get it and they didn't have time to, to send it to us because they just didn't have uh, much time. And I knew, I said, right, it's going to cost a lot just to send a belt all the way to, to Tokyo. Um, and, it, you know, it would take a seriously expensive belt to, um, to you know, to, to uh, kind of make it worth it. Mm. So as, as luck would have it, I, I gave him the option. I says, how quick do you, do you need this, this belt? And he's like, oh, I, I can wait. And he was kind of looking at me strangely. You know, I says, I'm going to Tokyo in, in three weeks time. Um, and they, they, they were, you know, shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I said, if you're willing to wait, I said, I can, I can, you know, I'll go to the Andals, get it for you and I'll, you know, I'll bring it, I'll bring it to you. And um, so, you know, obviously um, we, we did do that. Um, when they got his belt, right to Tokyo, I'd always wanted to, uh, the, the bar at the Andals is, is amazing. And Andals in Tokyo, it's, um, I, I think it's, it's on the 40 something floor. Um, but um, yeah, the views of Tokyo are just breathtaking. So I did want to go there anyway. Mm. So it was, it was kind of like, you know, it was, it was an easy thing for me to do. But he was so grateful when, when I passed it over to him. He gave me a little um, kind of uh, thing from the hotel for it with, uh, full of uh, Japanese uh, goodies. So that was, uh, oh, that was lovely, great. Lovely. Um, and just to finish off, I guess, what would your parting advice be for anyone that wants to get into this sort of side, this guest-facing side of uh, the hotel industry? I think, you know, you've got to open, you know, broaden, broaden your mind to, to going into hotels. I think a lot of people might have the perception of hotels that it's like, you know, it's really hard work that well, it is hard work, but it's all about like being a waiter or a waitress or carrying luggage or checking people in, checking out. But there's so many opportunities in, in hotels and, and there's, there's no limit to where you can go. Uh, there really isn't. Um, you know, there's, there's something, like, I mean, you just have to look at me. I, I started off as a, like part-time washing, you know, dishes and pots. Um, and I am where I am now in a, in a completely different country to where I, I started off. Um, then I would, yeah, this, as I said, the, the opportunities are great. But I think one of the most important um, things that I could say, the people that you meet in hotels is, is fantastic. Um, I, I've literally got friends all, all over the world. Um, I'm going to, uh, I'm actually going to the US in, in a few days. Um, and I'm, I'm meeting a couple of, um, a couple of friends um, that are coming down from Seattle. We're going to San Francisco. Um, it means I won't be able to tell my wife about this pod until <laughs> afterwards because the, the, she doesn't know that the friends are showing up in, uh-huh. in San Francisco. So they're ex-colleagues of mine that are now not only friends of mine, but they're f- really good friends of, of my wife too. Um, and not only are we meeting them, but we're also meeting um, two guests that I have a really good rapport with. We're going out to have lunch with them. So, you know, it's, it's not only the colleagues and, and things that you make friends for life with, but also the guests that you make that connection with. You know, you're going, you're going to, you know, God knows where you're, you're going to meet them. And so, yeah, yeah so that, that's that's what I, I would have to say about that. It's it's please, please just keep an open mind to working in hotels. Yeah. Yeah. And just to finish off, we asked some sort of quick fire questions about your interests. Uh, could you just tell us, uh, firstly, what's your favorite film? Um, 
I've got something. I've been a film buff since I was a kid. Um, but I would have to say one that I keep going back to is, is the Shawshank Redemption. I just think it's an absolutely beautiful film. Yeah, I don't think that I would ever have ever turned it off when I've seen it on the TV. Mm. It's just it's just so good. So yeah, that would uh, that that would definitely be one that that springs to mind that I just never get bored with. Yeah, it's it's a masterpiece. Mm, it's absolutely wonderful. Um, do you have a favourite book? Uh, again, I'm a I'm a very uh, a keen reader. I would say at the moment I don't I wouldn't say I have a favourite single book. It would be more a series. Um, so it's it's actually an Amazon um, series at the moment. But one of my favourite ones is uh, the Wheel of Time. Um, I I remember. I, I had to, I, I was looking for a, um, a trilogy to read. This was back when I was, I think I was about 26, maybe 25 when I started reading it, thinking that it was a trilogy. And then I remember finishing the third book and I'm like, this isn't the end of the story. <laughs> and then I found out it was nine. And literally the last book I read was when I was, um, and that had just come out was when I, I, must, I think I was about 38 when the last book had come out and I've since read that series three times and there's like 14 books and if anybody hasn't read it and they're into that genre I highly recommend it uh, cool um do you have a pet hate at all um I mean as I get older I'm probably getting more and more <laughs> but I think my my hotel background would dictate that you know rudeness and common courtesy or, or lack thereof and um, yeah I just think it, you know it costs nothing and it's it's just you know again back with the old cliches but it's just nice to be nice yeah yeah um I think that's a that's a common sentiment with people mm. in hospitality yeah um, uh do you have a favorite holiday destination I do I've, I've been lucky been that I worked on cruise ships um up in all over the world um, and then even on my own travels I've been all over but I have a Japanese wife so if I say anything other than Japan I'll be in serious <laughs> trouble so yeah, it's definitely Japan <laughs> fair enough um where do you see yourself in five years time um well I'm I am quite content uh, working at the, the Hyatt Churchill just now I'm really enjoying my role Hi, are such a fast-growing company, not only worldwide, but here in the UK too. And being the way I have been in my career, you just you just never know that you know Hi has so many opportunities coming up. So um, yeah, you you just don't know. But you know, at the moment, I'm very very content at the at the Hyatt Churchill. Mm. And finally, uh, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Um, I I'll probably refer back to. Um, when on my move here to, to London with mm. the, uh, the HR manager at the Fitzwilliam gave me because um, she literally said out loud what I was thinking and that, you know, and, and I'd, I'd been, you know, knowing the life that I have now, um, I absolutely would have regret not having this life. So, yeah, that was that was a really, really good bit of advice. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Joe, for joining us. It's been lovely to have you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Checking In, a weekly podcast from Hotel Owner, the UK's trusted source of hotel industry news and analysis. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you listen to. To get more industry insight, head to hotelowner.co.uk and subscribe for unlimited access. If you're interested in sponsoring episodes of the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at hotelowner.co.uk.